0: Hey Rebels, my name is Matthew Barton and I'm the host of the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. What does financial independence look like to you? What does collective community engagement and economic development look like? Historically, we have seen multiple communities come together to form economic cooperative projects to build wealth for their members. But that's kind of abstract, what does that mean? The first Saskatchewan example that comes to my mind is the Wheat Pool. Wheat pool's a big deal. People are still walking around with hoodies that sport the pool logo on their chest. Today's guest is Thomas Benjo. He's the president and CEO of FHQ Developments, an organization dedicated to First Nations economic development and financial independence. I want to understand how it works and what that means for First Nations people in our province. So let's get into it. Thomas, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. Yeah, this is great.
0: How's COVID times treating you?
1: uh well, things have been interesting. Uh, that's that's for sure. But uh, you know, I'm I'm a bit of an optimist, so I'm always looking for. Uh, opportunity whenever there's, uh, you know, great challenges ahead and, um, you know, with uh, no different in our business, every time there's a challenge, we're always looking for new opportunities. So uh, we've been able to um, manage through a a lot of interesting uh, new challenges and uh, are are seeing a lot of success in in, uh, a lot of our business.
0: When I tell somebody, I'm going to talk to Thomas from FHQ Developments, how should I introduce it to them?
1: um I, I guess you know one of the the key things that i i like to uh uh really focus on is you know what is what is the economic impact what is the um how can we do better uh with what we have today how do we make things better how do we improve the lives of people in our community um those are the things i'm, I'm very passionate about and then of course uh you know how do we use business and economics to uh, make that happen and, and uh, you know, make make life just a, a little bit better uh, for uh, the people in our community.
0: What, um, what does FHQ do? How does it work?
1: Well, uh, we are a First Nations-owned economic development corporation. So uh, we are owned by 11 First Nations and the uh, Fowl Hills Capel Tribal Council, So we have 12 uh, limited partners that all have an ownership stake, an equal uh, ownership stake in our company. And uh, basically we do three things. So uh, first, it's uh, investments and partnerships. So we invest and and partner and create new companies um, every year and and try to uh, grow our our economic base and, and generate wealth from those investments. Um, second piece is our economic development function, which is focused on how do we uh, support and create a more wholesome um, uh, community or ecosystem for Indigenous business and Indigenous entrepreneurs? Um, how do we provide resources and uh, you know opportunities back to our nations and, and back to the citizens that live in our nations? Um, And then just building relationships, building relationships with multiple organizations and um, making sure that they understand the importance of our perspective and our indigenous knowledge and thought uh, that needs to be considered when we're thinking about growing our economy. Uh, The third piece to our business, we actually have an HR function. So we have an HR consulting company that we've created uh, internally um, but the, the vision behind that is being able to manage and, and understand and guide uh, Indigenous talent uh, within our backyard and, and uh, within the territories that we work. And so we're trying to, you know, create career opportunities and hopefully advance and, and see people move vertically in their careers and, uh, you know, also teach other organizations how to uh, work with indigenous organizations and how to work with indigenous people and how to uh, support them and allow them to thrive inside of their organization as well so those are the the main functions of our uh, development corporation so it's very very broad um, in nature but uh, um, you know but very uh, specific in terms of the uh, key strategies that we have to uh, uh, grow uh, our business and, and create greater impact.
0: I was looking online and it said that you had a background in banking and you were one of the founding members of the organization. Can you unpack that a little bit for me? What What does it mean to be a founding member to you?
1: Yeah, so I was uh, originally selected as a uh, board of directors. And uh, was tapped on the shoulder from our uh, tribal chief of uh, Fall Hills Capel Tribal Council, um, Edmund Belgar, and uh, he reached out to me when I was actually uh, just finishing up university and uh, finishing up my business degree. He tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Hey, um, you know, we're we're looking to start this new development corporation, and you know, we'd like to have you be a part of it." And give us, you know, more of our uh, youth perspective, and you know, new graduate, um, new into business. Give us some of that perspective as we grow the business. And uh, you know, I was super excited, so I, you know, agreed to uh, be a part of the board at that time. And at at the same time, I was also, I mean, finishing up my degree, and so um, I had a ton of opportunities as I was about to graduate um and of all the opportunities that i had uh, i selected um rbc as as being um you know my employer of choice at that point in time um strategically uh because it was uh focused on commercial banking and i knew that i I always knew in my heart that i wanted to uh, be in a leadership role um i always dreamed about becoming a ceo and so I felt you know banking is the perfect place to start, uh, especially commercial banking, and uh, why not be a part of one of the biggest companies in Canada um, through RBC? And you know I get to learn corporate structure and and uh, uh, due diligence and then learn all of these uh, great things that I need to know from a financial perspective, but also from a corporate um, structure and strategy perspective, and so. Um, I spent uh, six years as a commercial banker, helping to manage the uh, indigenous uh, banking uh, portfolio for Saskatchewan and uh, grew uh, a large book of business there and uh, created a lot of success and um, after uh, building all of that, I was you know tapped on the shoulder from the board and asked if I would consider um, taking on, uh, the position of president and CEO of FHQ Development. So I was uh, very much obliged. And of course, uh, my passion is um, trying to uh, create opportunities for uh, our, our, our people um, in economics. And so this is, you know, the, the best way that I could do that.
0: I think it's something that is often talked about, engaging First Nations Indigenous community in terms of jobs and business and ownership what would be a project that people could look to that FHQ is a part of well
1: we have uh, you know we, we we do a lot of different things and um, one of the key things that you know we've been a part of um, as of late has been um, being an advocate for indigenous procurement or or just procurement in general and teaching organizations, teaching government, um, how to change policy in such a way that it allows indigenous business to participate and
0: like to make bids and stuff.
1: Uh, yeah, to, to, you know, be able to contract and, and be able to win services or be able to sell our products, um, with those organizations. And, um, oftentimes, uh, a lot of the organizations, you know, they they create uh, procurement policies, or they'll have indigenous engagement policies. Um, but it's it, they're they're often missing uh, some of the key substance as to why we do that. Well, why do we give those opportunities? Um, because a lot of uh, people in the community will see that as oh, they're getting a handout uh where we're giving them free work and that's that's not what we're doing here it's it's allowing us to be uh or to give us the opportunity to uh have an equal footing in 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 terms of participating in the economy and participating in those supply chains uh with government and, and in the private sector um you know if we look at our our history over the years we've um You know there's always been support for non-indigenous businesses when they get started uh when they start working for a different organization there's supports there's relationships built and when a new indigenous business comes into the scene um you know that's what we're looking for we're looking for that support we're looking for that opportunity to be given a chance uh to be able to participate and so um you know it's those types of uh relationships and and Understanding that we try to create in the community as to why these things are important. And it's not, this isn't just a, a you know, a, a social benefit, this is an economic benefit. We have an ever growing um, Indigenous population in Saskatchewan. Our youth right now in Saskatchewan, under the age of 19, 36.2% of our youth are Indigenous and growing. And so when you put that into an economic lens, when almost 40% of your population in Saskatchewan um, is indigenous, and if we're not participating at equal levels um, in the opportunities with government or private sector, what is that going to do for us strategically and competitively as a province uh, when it comes to indigenous engagement? And if we're not, um, participating at an equal economic level, um, we either have will create further liabilities, and in, in terms of uh, you know having to deal with more issues um, around you know not having wealth to be generated, and uh, or this could be a major opportunity and a major um, uh, economic opportunity for. Uh, the province as a whole to take advantage of that and say okay how do we leverage these relationships that um, the indigenous population has and how do we leverage that into um, you know gaining access to other economies and make us more competitive so you know those are some of the things that we're trying to change and then trying to have an effect on and it starts with relationship building it starts with Um, building treaty allies I I call you know our our non-indigenous partners treaty allies so that you know they're there um, helping to fight and and give us a voice uh, when we're when sometimes our voices are not allowed at those tables and uh, so you know we we try to create this understanding and and learning and uh, you know give give more substance to, to why these things are so important for us. And, uh, um, but I mean, other than that, I mean, the, that is the, the key foundational things that, that needs to happen. And, you know, the business success that we have is just, um, it's the things that come afterwards. It's once that foundation is there, it makes it easier for us to do business. It makes us easier, makes it easier for us to be able to participate and to build those relationships because everyone has a better understanding as to why we are doing this, why we are making those commitments. So it's that—that's probably you know one of the more exciting things that I get to be a part of, and uh, you know some of my board members get to be a part of those discussions as well.
0: I'm going to risk putting my foot in my mouth in terms of I've got cultural blind spots. What is something you think like a guy like me should learn or can learn from you? What, what is something that we often miss?
1: You know, when it, when it comes to business, um, it's, it's just understanding the history. Uh, I, I think, you know, we, uh a lot of times i mean our, our kids and I, I see this in our kids already with the changes that we've made in our education system they're they're learning about the history of indigenous people and um unfortunately if you weren't uh at that mark in 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 time where that education was not provided to you as a citizen of uh, in saskatchewan um you know attending school you missed out on those opportunities to learn about the history and learn about um uh, the issues that uh, we have to overcome there is intergenerational trauma there is um intergenerational things that, and and policies that have affected our ability to be successful in business um to be successful as individuals there's uh, been things um not of our doing that we have had to overcome And when you look at uh, the effects of intergenerational trauma, whether that's from residential school or having something traumatic happen in your lifetime, um, it takes people a long time to heal. And sometimes that hurt is passed on generation to generation. And, you know, if we don't educate ourselves and learn um, about where those issues stem from and, know who is ultimately responsible for um, some of these things that have had an effect on indigenous people Um, it's very difficult to understand you know why the need to change policy now why the need to push um, these changes in a system that has kept us out you know when we look at um, access to education well wasn't until the Uh, 60s and 70s that um, you know we were allowed to attend post-secondary institution you know if and if we chose if uh, people like my grandfather's uh, if they chose to uh, participate in post-secondary they were disenfranchised so they were stripped of their identity they were stripped of their rights uh, as an indigenous person uh, in order to pursue that Um, we still had pass and permit systems in place, so we had to be given permission to be able to leave. We had to be given, uh, permission to be able to sell any of our products, um, or livestock or crops from our communities. Um, sorry,
0: let's back that up a second. A pass and permit system. What the hell is that?
1: So the pass and permit system was set up through the Indian agents that we had um, that helped to manage our communities. And they had the ultimate say on if we can leave the reserve, if we can sell any of our products or livestock or crops. um, They had the ultimate say. And so that system was in play um, at least up until the 50s and and 60s. you had to ask permission from an Indian agent in order to um, participate economically um, off of the reserve, or to even lead.
0: That's fucked up. Yeah, that's not cool. How do you build a business? How do you how do you have livelihood?
1: You know, recognizing recognizing that history um, means that our participation in the economy has only been as of late right we um where you know we've been able to leave the reserve where we've been able to participate economically um has only been you know within the past you know 50 to 60 years so you know we're we're behind right we we have to play catch up Um, but meanwhile you know you see the resource industry the resource rich industries that we have those families are many generations of families that have created businesses that have created success that have generated wealth throughout these years. And and we were still, um, asking permission to leave. Like my grandfathers were still asking permission to leave. And now, now we're in a position where we're saying, Hey, recognize that history and work with us here. We're, and it, it, the the other big thing to this as well is that uh, you know we we need to be at the table when these policies affect us when when there are decisions being made about us and too often times these there's decisions or policies being created uh, behind closed doors and without us at the table and you know trying to solve some of the the issues that we have without even asking us um, about how would we solve those issues? How would indigenous people use their knowledge, um, use their understanding to uh, come up with a solution to those issues? We're, we're never truly, um, you know, looked at as a, as a resource to solving those issues, we're, we're often just told to, right? And so those <clears throat> those become, uh, you know, barriers for us to, to be successful um in uh, managing policies that are are created for us without our 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 participation and you know this this goes to um even the way that we do business today fhq developments we're doing business our way and when we choose to partner with an organization when we choose to engage uh, with another company they know that they have to relax their positions um, and build an understanding of how they are going to work with us. And we are doing this based on our knowledge, our experience, our um, research that we've done um, about all the other successful indigenous dev corps in the world and the ones that haven't been so successful. We're using all the best business practices in our business model um, to build that understanding. And so it gives us a different position when we work with organizations, we are looking for them more so to align with our values and understanding. And that's the only way we're going to be able to work together. Cause a lot of times I tell you, I, I send a lot of companies away, um, or turn a lot of companies off because they don't, uh, uh, it doesn't make sense, um, for them to, uh, you know, be a part of our, what we're building as a business. And, um, you know, when that happens, uh, you know, we say, you oh, know, good luck and, and, you know, you know, good luck in your future. But, um, we have a way of, of which we're doing business that we need to create as much impact as possible for our communities and for our, our, uh, much broader community is, uh, in the province. Um, that's what we're focused on and so it's 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 a lot of learning and and uh, but just you know respecting values and and uh, contributions but it starts with the history and that's what that's what needs to be um understood and, and the more that you know we spend time doing podcasts or i spend a lot of time lecturing at the university i'm trying to uh, have an effect on the minds of our our future business leaders so that when it comes time for them to work with us they'll already have an understanding they'll be more open-minded they'll um, they won't be afraid to ask questions uh, that can help us move to a solution a lot quicker so it's a lot of these things become really critical to us in uh, making sure that we we build allies and, and build understanding of how uh, we create success
0: what are some of the sectors that would touch upon the work you do is it like land management crops agriculture oil and gas uh simple services maybe just like uh running a hair salon or making beer like what what businesses do you work with
1: so we're uh heavily in the construction industry and uh, heavily in the resource sector where are we do a lot of work for uh, the mining industry, we do work in oil and gas industry pipelines. Uh, we have a drilling rig. Uh, we are in the hospitality industry. We, we uh, own a, a portion of a hotel in, in Swift Current in behind our, our casino. Um, uh, we also have uh, investments in um, Saskatchewan's only uh, software testing company, which is Plato SAS Testing. Uh, so we have taken a step into the tech industry as well, um, and you know a lot of the other businesses that we have right now are are more uh, construction services and, and so so you know being a part of um, you know building and and, and uh, participating in, in the construction industry and uh, so I mean those those are the industries we're in right now. We are looking to. Um, make some more shifts more into the tech space Um, i see a huge opportunity in in uh, saskatchewan's participation in in the tech space Um, and the renewable energy front i mean we have the opportunity to be major um, uh, equity owners in renewable energy projects and uh, we actually just signed finished signing uh, uh, agreements this morning um, to take a forty-nine percent uh, stake in a major uh, renewable energy project um, that's in the hundreds of millions, and uh, you know, we're we're hoping that uh, we could become Saskatchewan's first major um, owner in a renewable energy project, and uh, so we're we're making um, major headways in uh, in those types of industries, and we are exploring. Um, the ag tech and manufacturing and uh, supply chain um, industry, and how do we make and create a presence in that um, industry? So, um, our, our portfolio is is becoming more and more diverse as we grow, and uh, you know we strategically um, just need to make sure that everything is in alignment and that uh, some of our our key. Um, strategies can be, uh, fully established in, in those industries before we make a decision to, to go in that direction.
0: Who's doing it right? When you work with all these different businesses, who's doing it right?
1: Well, I I guess it's the companies that have patience. If you look at the companies that, that we work with right now, um, you know, and we look at we. You know, when I came in as CEO, I, I got rid of a ton of companies. Um, I didn't see the alignment. Um, there, there wasn't a real relationship built. There wasn't a real understanding of where we're going as an organization. Um, so, if you look at the companies that that we have today and the partnerships that have been built, uh, our capacity partners, um, they've taken the time to understand. They've taken the time to value our values and their values and align them and you know there's been a lot of consideration around um making sure that they're um you know matching to our vision and our mission as an organization um and you know generally they just want to see um indigenous people succeed and they're willing to Um, you know, make changes to, to the way that they think that needs to be done. So instead of them coming with their own ideas to say, well, this is how we think this should go. They're saying, you tell us, you tell us Thomas, how you think that this relationship needs to be established. You tell us what strategically needs to be done so that we can successfully build a business together. And I think it's through those, um, that understanding and, and those relationships that we've been able to see significant success in a lot of the businesses that that we currently own today. Um, and, you know, with the foundation that's been set, uh, I, I think, you know, a lot of our businesses are going to see success very early on. And, uh, you know, we'll be able to, um, you know, focus on the sustainability of, of those businesses long term. Um, you know, I take one of our construction companies, for instance, the um, you know we just started about a year ago and already uh, you know we've secured over five million dollars in contracts. We're projecting to you know potentially be a10 million dollar uh, company in a very short period of time. and this is one year of operation. so um, you think about those things and it's that foundation that we set has allowed us to be able to see that success. And the partners being um, uh, being able to, uh, you know, relax their positions a bit and, and build understanding, um, you know, they, they get to share in that success with us as well.
0: When it comes to beer, I don't know if you're a beer drinking kind of guy, but I did want to tell you about one that I'm bringing on the episode today. It's Pile of Bones Coconut Porter. Have you had it before?
1: No, I can't say.
0: I think one thing, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Pile of Bones has some ownership that is Métis. And they have symbolism with the bison, and they do have some artwork and indigenous representation within their business. I think it's they're conscious of it, and it's, it's there, but it's not like... Uh, performative in your face it's just kind of like if you know it you see it and recognize it and um yeah. of course their name pile of bones um which has its own uh historical piece for this for the city right um but anyways they're coconut porter i haven't tried it yet so i wanted to get a nice little mic pop for you just so you could hear it and then i was uh hoping To share it with you, but because of COVID and the the stinking lockdown, I kind of just have to tease you. (laughs) I apologize. I'll give it a sip. All right. Cheers. It's not bad. Pretty chocolatey. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Like a really deep, rich, dark chocolate flavor. I think you'd like it. I don't know if you like dark beers, but if you're into dark beers, I think you'd like this one.
1: Oh, we I uh, uh, have a couple of colleagues here that uh, really enjoy the the dark beers as well, so um, I'm sure they're they're going to be uh, interested in in uh, having a, a try.
0: So we talked a little bit about beer. We you've you've given me like uh, some perspective on FHQ. What cool projects are on the horizon? You you mentioned a little bit about tech.
1: Uh, because we have an ownership stake in a, a software testing company, um, you know, we, we want to continue making uh, inroads in, in the tech community. And, um, you know, I, I see all the great uh, software um, companies that are being developed here and in our own backyard. And, um, of course, we want to be um, invested uh, in those companies as well and um, leverage uh, a lot of the, um, uh, strategies that, that we have and and key selling features of us being a partner, um, you know, the, uh, the leverage that we have through, um, creating, um, indigenous engagement and, and procurement means that, um, sometimes procurement is weighted a little differently for indigenous ownership and participation. And so it gives. Um, those companies uh, another edge um, over the competition by partnering with us and being able to win uh, contracts with those customers. And so that's, that's where, you know, I, I could see the, the opportunities being created, but uh, you know, I, I want really um, uh, deep down, I, I just, I wanna see more indigenous people just involved in the tech sector in general. I want to see them become leaders. I want to see them become executives and managers, and and uh, you know help lead uh, some of these changes. And so, you know, when we make a decision to go into an industry like tech, uh, we have to work backwards in, in our strategies as well and focus on how do we train our youth, how do we get them prepared for the opportunities in tech, how do we get them excited. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of family members that are involved in the tech industry um, in general. So, I mean, there's no key role models in our families, or you know, major um, individuals that can role model for them. So, you know, we we have to take the time to build it, and we have to, you know, I, I gave the uh, um, uh, the speech to our initial. Uh, workforce that that was trained to become software uh, testers uh, within Plato SAS testing and I told them that look I mean you guys have the opportunity here to be leaders there are going to be youth from our communities that are going to um, look up to you and and you know see you as as a leader in this industry Uh, it's your responsibility to take uh, this opportunity to work in this industry seriously enough To know that you are going to become a leader, and and so you know carry that perspective with you, and and you know hold your head high, and and you make your way through, um, through the industry, and uh, you know what that's going to create in the future, hopefully, is, um, you know, our youth are going to see those individuals, or they may be a part of their families, and it's going to encourage them to want to explore and uh, be curious about uh, being a part of that industry. And, you know, on the other end, we are going to create, um, uh, we're involved in, in uh, STEM initiatives uh, with Indigenous youth. So we partner uh, with other organizations and we deliver STEM events. And so that's just to generate the uh, opportunities to, to think about uh, being in things like tech or engineering or, um, you know, in the science fields, where uh, right now we're we're lacking a lot of the um, uh, indigenous participation in those industries. So, you know, how what can we do? What little things can we do here now to uh, create that future workforce for ourselves? And uh, so, like our our game here that that we play is we're playing a long term game. We're playing a sustainability game. I'm not. We're not here to. Uh, this isn't a get rich quick scheme this is how do I make sure we absolutely understand the foundations and and understand um, how we can create the greatest impact possible um, for our communities and and for our youth like I, I want our kids to be proud of our organization and I want them to be proud of uh, the businesses that we're creating and and be excited to want to be a part of those organizations and wanna um, you know hopefully someday take me out of my role. Um, you know I want to encourage them to do that and um, you know I look forward to the day when uh, you know that that youth um, grows and and becomes the uh, professional and and uh, you know, takes me out of my role and and tells me it's time to, uh, you know, do something else. Um, but you know, all I can do right now is is try to encourage and uh, help them build that confidence in themselves to uh, to see themselves doing that. And and that's you know um, how we look at you know all of these exciting opportunities that we have is we're always thinking about those things and we're always thinking seven generations ahead uh when we when we do the things that we do
0: if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're saying hey i want to get plugged into what fhq is doing maybe there's business maybe they're an employer employee they're just looking for opportunities where should they go
1: uh well our our social media is pretty active um you know we're Always trying to share as many good news stories about uh, what it is that we're doing. Um, We're currently um, updating our our website. Actually, we're going through a major renovation of our website. Um, It's a bit dusty, (laughs) Um, but it's uh, you know, fhqdev.com. That's our, our main website, but, uh, you know, we're, uh, it, it's, it's the social media feed that, uh, you know, um, follow me on, on Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook. Uh, we're always sharing, uh, as much as we can about what we're doing on a regular basis. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's exciting, um, uh, you know, to be, um, hopefully at the forefront of, of, uh, indigenous, um, business and, um, helping to change minds and, uh, you know, seeing a lot of uh, other individuals uh, be a part of our journey as well.
0: Ultimately, I just want to say, uh, thank you for your time today, man.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, uh, on the podcast and, uh, looking forward to trying the, uh, uh, coconut uh, uh, beer, <laughs> and uh yeah we'll we'll put it through the the test here with the uh with the team deadly <laughs>
0: thanks for listening today if you have any questions or comments about this episode be sure to join us on our brand new facebook group page the rebellion brewing podcast we're going to include links to fhq development and thomas benjo on the show notes so you can check it out and follow up i'm also proud to let you know that we're members of the saskatchewan podcast network it's a one-stop shop for tons of locally produced shows right here across our province you can find them at saskpodcastnetwork.com be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped, so you don't miss out on the latest in SaaS craft beer news. Thank you for joining the Rebellion.